we uh, we didn't coerce uh, in what we were bringing. So what I felt God say for us is uh, a scripture called um, John 15. You can put that on. In John 15 verse 1 to 6 and it says, I am the vine, I am the true vine. So this is Jesus speaking. And the uh, context of it in John 15 is, this is just some of the last moments that he's spending with his disciples. Uh, and he's actually getting them ready for when he's not going to be here anymore. So these are the last words that he's able to speak to them. Some of, some of the last thoughts that he's imparting. And he's going, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch of mine that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does not does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he is it that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burnt. And uh, there's a picture of the branch that does not bear fruit, that's cut off, that's not abiding in Christ. And what happens to it, it withers, it becomes useless to the vineyard. Uh, and eventually ends up being destroyed. Uh, that's quite a sobering part of the scripture. Not what I want to preach about. But as <laughs> that's the one possible outcome. Let's preach about, talk about the other one. The other possible outcome. And that's the word abide. Abide in me. So Jesus says to his disciples, abide in me. And what does this mean? What does the scripture mean? So obviously... The obvious thing is that Christ says, I am the vine. What does it mean? It means he is rooted. He has sustenance. He can feed himself. So he's self-sufficient, Jesus. And he also said, I do nothing unless I hear from my Father. So that's the strength that he's talking from. He's going, that's me. I'm able to commune with my Father. I'm able to draw from him. And I can pass that along to you. So if you are found in me, you can be fed from me. That's what Jesus is saying there. Then he's, he's saying the Father also has something to do with us. He's also involved with us. And he's going, my Father looks at the vineyard, looks at all the branches. And those that are bearing fruit, those that sprout the leaves, it's about to start happening now. Everywhere we are, all the trees that have lost their, their leaves, they're gonna, you'll see if you drive out here, some of the trees are starting to make little green, small little buds and, and leaves. Now you can see which trees are still alive. All winter long, some of those trees in the main road were standing there without leaves, and you can't tell which ones died from drought and which ones are alive. You can't cut anything down now because you, once you've cut it, it's gone. So you're going to wait and see who's sprouting fruit in this new season. And then you can prune that tree for better growth. So now's the time that you you can prune. And that's what God the Father does. He comes in 
and he prunes the branches that are bearing fruit so that they can bear more fruit. Good thing, yeah? Jesus says this. He says, you are already clean because of the words that I have spoken to you. With other words, there's a process that if we submit ourselves to Jesus' word, that also already cleans us, meaning we get pruned by those words. We self-adjust. So God doesn't have to come and cut into you if you've already heard Jesus' word. It's, you're already clean. So that's also a possibility. Sounds good. Like, don't, I'm not, I don't, I don't, I don't like pain a lot. So, (laughs) so I'd rather self-adjust than have things cut off. Um, and then, what's the other thing? Is we only have life while we are abiding in Him. So that's also that's the last little piece of that. Is like we we don't have life in ourselves. We only have life while we find it in Christ. Um, so it speaks of connectedness. The word abide. So abide to me, this is becoming quite an important concept because Christ says, if you don't abide in Him, you run the risk of not making it to heaven. That's how I interpret this. So to me, they would be, ooh, wait, highlight. Let's highlight the word abide here because I want to abide now. I don't want to not abide. I want to not be cut off. I want to be part. So what is, what is this word, abide? What do I do? Because don't you find in Christian circles... If you've been saved for a long time, we use words like saved. What does that mean? You know, we say, let's fellowship together. What does it mean? And uh, you'll meet Borant Base. Borant calls these words Christianese. So all these Christianese words that we have, that we use, and somehow they've lost their English meaning and they've become something different. And I've often wondered, some of the songs we sing, if somebody that doesn't know Jesus, doesn't know Scripture, hasn't read the Bible, if they walk in there, they'd be utterly confused um, by some of the things we might say. And we we become ineffective because of it. So what does the word abide mean? I don't have the Greek for it. <laughs> so just the English word abide. The first concept for me in abide is connected. Abide means to be connected. Like a branch is connected to the tree, to the vine. The vine is the main stump of the vineyard. So I'm from the, originally from the Western Cape where they grow vines. Stellenbosch world is, there's a, there's a, a vine, huge big stump. And out of that, there's some branches that come. The vine doesn't carry fruit in itself. It's the branch that runs out of it. And then every year, out of that branch comes new growth. And that's where the grapes grow on. So that branch is the thing that carries the fruit every season. But it needs to be connected. If it's not connected, uh, it cannot have life. So connectedness speaks, uh, I know in theological circles, they'll speak about us being one with Christ, one with Jesus. 
And that only happens if we connected with him. The nice thing is, this is listen to what Jesus says here. He says, um, he says it a couple of times, but in verse four, he says, "Abide in me, and I in you." Um, and then he says it again somewhere. He says, "Whoever abides in me, and I in him, he is it that bears much fruit." So. How do I bear fruit, you know? Um, well, what if I don't know how? What would I do? And that's the promise. Christ says, if you abide in me, it's a two-way street. It's a relationship that forms. I abide in him, but then he abides in me. And that's what creates the life in me. In myself, like that piece of wood, if it's not in the fire, it doesn't burn. If it's in the fire, it contributes so it, all of a sudden it becomes part of something. In itself, it can't just set itself on fire. And that's the thing. What connectedness with Jesus brings, not I connect to Jesus, but he abides in me, connects with me, has relationship with me, and that brings life into my life. It speaks of dependence. So that branch can't, it, it's dependent on the vine. So we often think like we grow up and uh, we get older, my kids, and, uh, and they grow up and then they become independent. That's part of growing up. So we might think in our Christian lives that's also going to happen. You're going to grow up and you're going to become self-sustaining. You're going you're gonna to have roots of your own. And so that's like you take a piece of plant and you cut it off, you put it in the ground, it's going to root itself and it's going to grow on its own accord. Not in Christian life. So vines don't work like that. That's why Jesus chose that. To grow vines, you take a root stock that has roots, and then you take whatever fruit you want and you graft it onto the rootstock and that will grow. If you take a piece of just normal branch off it and you put it on the ground, it'll be weak, it won't have fruit, it might not even grow. If you get it to grow, it'll not bear much fruit. And that's the thing with Christianity, with our Christian life, is we stay dependent on Jesus. We never become independent. We stay dependent on each other to, like, for the, for the rest of our lives and beyond. So when we die one day, we're also not going to be self-sufficient. We're always going to be dependent on God. And that's an incredible thing. He's the giver of life, the creator and the giver of life. And being dependent on him is a, is a glorious walk, not, not one of defeat. And in that dependence, he promises that what will happen? Well, he'll sustain us. He'll give us what we need to bear fruit. So, what does fruit speak of? Anybody. Fruit. Come. Fruit in a Christianese sense. What is fruit in a Christianese sense? Holy Spirit. 
So the Holy Spirit, what is the fruit of the Holy Spirit? Galatians 5, don't have to put that up, 22, has a couple of like, it's not a complete list. But it gives you an idea what the fruit would be if you walk with the Holy Spirit. It says, it is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Those are fruits of the Holy Spirit. Isn't it amazing? Love, joy, peace, kindness, faithfulness. Those are the concepts. I think if anybody could ever describe me and use mostly those words, I'd go like, yay. (laughs) I've done something right. All of us want to be known for our love and our kindness and our joy and our peace, faithfulness. Amazing attributes to have. And those are the fruits of the Spirit. That is what God promises for each one of us if we stay dependent on Him that he will bring that fruit in us. That's an amazing thought because I don't have all those characteristics in me all the time. Sometimes. I think I have most of them sometimes, but all the time. Like when I wake up in the morning, didn't sleep enough. Um, the The guys here with little kids, do you know? It's like you've woken up 10 times during the night, um, little baby threw up on you, and then you wake up, you've got to go to work. And you're like, okay, love, peace, joy, faithfulness. I don't feel any of those. <laughs> they all elude me. Or when you have an accident with your car, you worse if somebody else has an accident with your car. Love, joy, peace, kindness towards the person who just ran into your car. Do we carry those? We can. That's actually the the wonder of the Holy Spirit working through us that we can carry all of those. And then, what else does it speak of? Well, it speaks of a continued dependence and connectedness. So it keeps on happening. And in youth on Friday, ah, JC's not here. (laughs) <laughs> but uh, I'll speak behind his back uh, a bit. Um, in Youth on Friday, we, the youth shared their testimonies, like how did they meet Jesus? And when did it happen in their lives? And a couple of them, like some of them amazing, because none of them are over 18. So all of them have met the Lord quite young. <laughs> I think the rest of us will agree. It's quite young. Even if you're 18, I think you, you're really young. And it's a glorious thing. But some of them said like three. Like they were three years old when they made the Lord. And what does that mean when you're three years old? Um, to give your heart to Jesus. What does it mean? Or to invite God to live in your heart. What does that mean when you're three years old? Well, I remember there was a little boy in Naupos. He was about three or four years old. And he went to the kids' church. And they spoke to, to them about Jesus. And Jesus loves you. And God loves you. And he sent Jesus to the world. And you need to give your heart to Jesus. And he went home and he cried. And his mom's like, why are you crying? He says, mom, 
They said I must give my heart to Jesus. And I want to do it. But I need my heart. <laughs> I really want to. But I can't. Because I'll die. If I give my heart away. Or to a three year old. If you go like God needs to come live in your heart. What does that look like? Like that could be a, quite a scary thought. And those could be the things with Christianese. That could work against us a little bit. Because. What does it mean when you're three years old to give your heart to the Lord? Well, you're not going to take your heart out. It means you're going to submit your life to Jesus. You're going to say, God, my life is yours. Your heart is a representation of life. But we could hide that fact a little bit from our kids. If we just go, you've got to give your heart to Jesus. It might not. But then, so you're three years old and you have given your life to Jesus and you made that commitment on that level so you grow up and somewhere you seven, eight, nine, ten years old and again you might be sitting here and you'll hear something about God and God's spirit will speak to your spirit different level all of a sudden isn't it ten year old, three year old more understanding and the ten year old says you know what And that's what one of the kids said like when they were roughly Eight, nine, ten. they went, again, they gave their lives to, to God. But now it meant something different. There was a bit more realism to it, isn't there? And then life goes on, and Jay-Z said about four years ago, he just had a moment with God one day. And it changed his life. It changed the way he sees the world. He said literally the next day he walked out and the colors looked different. We'll get him to do his testimony. <laughs> has, has he done it? I haven't been here for long. He can, he can share that. And that's a whole different ball game again, isn't it? When you're in your 20s, 30s, 40s, to actually then give your lives to God. So, little warning from my side. We should be, should be careful not to think that we are more than we think we are. Because uh, Jesus did say, if you could only have the faith of a three-year-old, if you could just be all out for Jesus, uh, without all that understanding, with all that superior thought processes and knowledge, if you could only have faith like a three-year-old. So, in a sense, there's, there's, there's the way that a three-year-old would give his heart to the Lord, or his life to the Lord. Without knowing exactly what he's in for but doing it anyway that we still need to carry as grown ups don't get so clever that we um, that we lose sight of actually how big God is in relation to us it's just a it's a free free part there but Paul says this I know it's one of your favorite scriptures it says, uh, and you quoted something of that today and it's in Corinthians 15 says, Paul says I die every day so what does Paul say when he says I die every day it means that he gives his life away every day it means that every day I declare my dependence on God every day I'm going God I need you it's an everyday thing and as much as you might want to do it when you're 3 and 7 and 20 in different stages of your life 
actually it's a daily thing. In a sense, yes, you saved when you recognize what Jesus has done. He's died for me. I've given my life to him. I've accepted the gift of salvation. My sins are paid for. But now, when you walk into the walk with God, to every day say, God, I'm still here. It's still me. It's still something left of the old me. Come walk with me, God, and be in my day. And where does that lead to? Where would that, where would that walk lead to? And uh, especially today, like in this world now, we walk around with masks. I mean, I like even get confused who brings words because everybody's got a mask. <laughs> That's my story. I'm sticking to it. And, uh, <laughs> but it, I mean, we could lose, we could easily at the moment lose um, our spirits, our happiness, our joy, our peace. And I think some of us lose that all the time at the moment. It's like it's such a like bad report seems to just run around the internet everywhere. Um, I just go, don't, don't Google too much or don't YouTube too much. Um, but I didn't time myself. What time is it? Okay, I'll squirrel. Three minutes. <laughs> it's a it's just a thought as it comes up maybe I should mention this um, on the one hand we have this like we can abide in Christ and daily we can feed ourselves with what Christ gives us with what God's word gives us um, with what God's spirit feeds us with that's abiding in the vine that's that's being connected. That's being fed. And, and the incredible thing is the fruit that it bears is that love, peace, joy, kindness. Now, you could be abiding in something else. And we could be abiding in the internet. Uh, it's a scary place to abide in. What would that feed you with? What would you get out of spending all of your time on YouTube and Google? Well, at the moment, here's a, here's a little, I'm an ex-IT guy. Um, bad night, just still an IT guy. <laughs> so we are growing. We're taking over the whole church, yeah? Marie is an IT person. <laughs> so, but if you speak to any of us, uh, Thomas also, huh? Thomas, you would see yourself as an IT person. So... If you speak to any of us, we'll we'd be able to explain this. I'm going to do it shortly. Google and uh, the whole internet is filled with this. is designed to satisfy you. So you know that scripture that says, uh, "In the end days, uh, people will lend their ears out to what they want to hear, not what they need to hear, but what they want to hear." Now the entire internet is designed for that. Not because it's evil in essence. Not because it was designed by evil people. Just because they want to make money. So they make money if you spend time on it. So ad, that those ads on YouTube that pop up, somebody's getting paid for you to watch it. 
So they're selling your time. So somebody's just bought your time and somebody has just sold your time and you are the product that gets passed along. Actually, your time is the product that gets passed along. It has value. Even if we don't think our time has value, that is what Google is making billions on. Your time. They sell it. You give it away for free. You're not being paid. So now, what do they do? Well, they need to keep your attention. So they, they're not feeding you what you need to hear. They're feeding you what you want to hear. And they've written a program. So if you click on anything, what is any t- hmm? Funny pet videos. There we go. Funny pet videos. Guess what will come up tomorrow? More funny pet videos. We just watched goats that fell uh, fall over. That is really funny. So, <laughs> goats, fainting goats. If you click on fainting goats, guess what? More fainting goats will pop up. Not only on your YouTube feed, also on your Facebook feed on the ads. They'll link you with people that own fainting goats. They'll sell you products for fainting goats. Because obviously you want fainting goats. You love that. And then they'll branch off a little bit and go, maybe you like funny dogs. So they'll throw those in. Maybe you like trick this or what. And very quickly your profile will start feeding you what you think. You might think the whole world is filled with fainting goats after a while. That's all that there is. But it's not. It's just the 10 people out there that's posting hundreds of clips of fainting goats. And that's all you see after a while because that's all you clicked on. And that's how it works. So if you think that the earth is flat, guess what? The internet will agree with you. It is flat. It will sell you flat world books. It will subscribe you to flat world channels. And after a while, you would be convinced that the world is flat. Because everybody says so, don't they? But, so that's... And how does that tie up? It's, the world also wants to feed you. And what will that produce? So I'll tell you what it'll produce at the moment. If you click on COVID all the time, and you try and find the truth of how many people have died, how many people has COVID, how many... This, that, and next thing. I'm telling you, be careful what sites you read and who you're listening to. Because I cannot tell the truth from the falsehood on the internet. I wish I could because I really want some information. But I don't know where to find it on the internet anymore. Who is telling the truth? Who knows what the truth is? We need Christ. We need the Holy Spirit. And we need to get on our knees and ask God. What is my next decision in life? What do I do, God? That's the truth. And if you, if you get fed by the world, it will not produce what the Holy Spirit will produce. You'll be fearful. You'll be worried. You might become a little bit less nice and prone to anger. Those are the things, because fear breeds anger, distrust. Those are the things that the world will grow in you. But if we abide in Christ, if we allow 
the predominant voice in my head to be the Holy Spirit. And what does the Holy Spirit have to say about COVID or viruses? I mean, is it still relevant, the Bible? I think it is. God hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but of a sound mind. Use it. Sound mind. Use it. And ultimately, in John 15, where does this lead us to? So John 15 verse 8. Jesus says this. By this, my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. And that's, the, that's where this leads to. This leads to being loved. To experiencing God's love. Jesus' love. The Holy Spirit's love. It'll destroy hopelessness. It'll destroy fear. It'll help you to use the sound mind that God has created in you and given you. And it will lead to life springing up around us. 